the Cainite. Cain is usually spoken of as the builder of the first city on the basis of Genesis 4.17. Cain has a son, whom he named Enoch. He then built a city and named it after his son. Enoch means initiation or dedication. Moreover, the Hebrew word for city means several things. It means city, but, as Elul points out, it apparently also means the watching angel, the vengeance and terror, with angel here having a demonic sense. The comparison to Eden is very obvious. First of all, Enoch was not the first city. Eden was, and Enoch was an obvious attempt to replace and supplant it. The fact that only Adam and Eve dwelt in Eden does not make it any less a city in its nature and intention. It was created to be the city of God, or the kingdom of God. This fact is clearly set forth in Revelation 21 and 22, where the description of the New Jerusalem is merged with that of the Garden of Eden. New Jerusalem is Old Eden fulfilled. Thus, Cain's city was an imitation Eden, not the first city, but the second. The city was God's purpose and his community. Cain sought to establish a new purpose and a new community. The goal is still community, but now on the tempter's terms, not God's, now in terms of autonomous man rather than the law word of the sovereign God. Second, the word city has obvious reference to Genesis 3.24. God drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way, to keep the way of the tree of life. The demonic angel implied in the word city is thus an imitation of the cherubims God stationed to guard Eden. Man had to be driven out of Eden, and a turning sword-like or lightning-like flame barred man from any re-entry. There was now no access to the tree of life. Both literally and spiritually, the barrier of sin barred man from the blessing of God. Man was now outside of Eden, east of Eden, which Elul suggests symbolizes the country where the sun rises, the point of departure. Man thus sought a new beginning, but Cain sought a new beginning without God and against God. The cherubims kept man from re-entry into Eden. Cain, in his false Eden, had his symbolic demonic angels to keep other men from coming in. The city as a walled enclosure was designed to keep out the enemy. Third, whom did Cain seek to keep out? It has been suggested that Cain sought to keep out his relatives by other sons of Adam, who might seek vengeance, or even his own lawless sons. But Cain had nothing to fear from his godly relatives, because God gave Cain a sign that whoever found him would not murder him. Genesis 4.15, Leupold. As Leupold has pointed out, the reference is not to any physical mark on Cain, but a sign of guarantee or a pledge or token. Moreover, as Smith pointed out, the text makes clear that the assurance is that no one finding him shall slay him. Cain thus had nothing to fear from any man. He left his paternal home with this assurance from an absolute God. God's law forbade to the family any right to take life. Thus, even more important than the execution of a murderer was this limitation of the family's power. Immediately after this assurance from God, we are told that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, or wandering, on the east of Eden, Genesis 4.16. The building of the city soon follows. Clearly, despite God's assurance to Cain, Cain's departure was from God, and as from the beginning when he struck down Abel, God's servant, Cain's basic hostility was against God. The city thus, although an imitation of God's city, was built in defiance of God, 
as an aggressive act against God, and as a new beginning designed to supplant God's beginning in Eden. At this point, Elul is right. The secular city has an anti-God character. It is built as man's work and as man's order as against God's work and order. Cain's city and the modern city have been built to keep out God, to replace God's law and predestination with man's law, planning, and control. As against Eden and the New Jerusalem, the Cainite's dream is of Enoch, Babel, and Babylon the Great. All things must be in terms of man. Thus, August Comte, the father of sociology and founder of the formal religion of humanity, looking around at the animal and vegetative kingdoms, went on to suggest that all species of these beings not useful to man should be systematically annihilated. Of course, he who could not produce nor reproduce a single species would determine which were useless and had to be eradicated. Before Comte, other humanists had already begun this execution, now, ironically, deliberately blamed on the Bible and its teachings. Basic to Cain's psychology, thus was his enmity with God. Van Til has written of the Cainitic wish that there is no God. Those possessed by this Cain complex worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, and all fallen unregenerate men hate God and are possessed of the Cain complex. Being possessed of the Cainitic wish that there be no God, the sons of Cain, his spiritual heirs, seek to eliminate every trace of God from reality. Order, design, intelligence, purpose, and meaning are all denied in principle, because God is denied in principle. But man can only eliminate God and all signposts pointing to God by eliminating all reality, including himself, for all things witness to God, their creator. The result is, as Van Til has aptly termed it, an integration into the void. Man dissolves himself whenever he seeks to dissolve God. Fourth, Cain, in creating a new city as the new Eden and seeking to bar its gates to God, was thereby also setting himself up as the new creator. The world was to have a new beginning with Cain, and this claim is still made by every Cainite who offers a new beginning to mankind, conditional upon a barring of the gates to God. The attack of radical youth on the establishment is in large measure because the establishment still perpetuates godly elements of law and order in spite of itself. It should be noted that John Lennon, one of the Beatles, declared that it was a political thing I did when he said, the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. Politics has reference to the polis, the Greek city, a divine human order. Lennon was asserting man's new order as against God's order, and himself as against God the Son. Yoko Lennon described her own motivation in similar terms, declaring, I want to incite people to loosen their oppression by giving them something to work with, to build on. They shouldn't be frightened of creating themselves. That's why I make things very open, with things for people to do, like in my book, Grapefruit. Because basically, there are two types of people in the world. People who are confident, because they know they have the ability to create, and then people who have been demoralized, who have no confidence in themselves because they have been told that they have no creative ability, but must just take orders. The establishment likes people who take no responsibility and cannot respect themselves. Responsibility in Yoko Lennon's vocabulary means a rejection of biblical responsibility and an assumption of a godlike freedom. Both John and Yoko Lennon see the family as a part of the God trip or father figure trip, which must be dissolved in favor of facing up to reality instead of always looking for some kind of heaven. 
This points to a fifth aspect of the Canaanitic mentality, the masochistic urge to be cast out and somehow deprived or oppressed. Both the Lennons reveal this clearly, John Lennon carrying the banner of a broken home background as a merit badge. John. Mine is an extreme case, you know. My father and mother split, and I never saw my father until I was 20, nor did I see much more of my mother. But Yoko had her parents there, and it was the same. Yoko. Perhaps one feels more pain when parents are there. It's like when we're hungry. You know it's worse to get a symbol of a cheeseburger than no cheeseburger at all. It doesn't do you any good, you know. I often wish my mother had died so that at least I could get some people's sympathy. But there she was, a perfectly beautiful mother. Masochism and self-pity characterized Cain, and they still mark all the Cainites. Ridden by guilt, they need to feel hurt, oppressed, and cast out. The Cainites will agitate, demonstrate, and aggravate people into some kind of action in order to indulge in their maudlin sense of persecution. My punishment is greater than I can bear, said Cain, the murderer, Genesis 4.13, whose punishment was life rather than a sentence of death. Cain, the offender, claimed to be offended. Cain, condemned to be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, Genesis 4.12, thou shalt be shifting and straying about in the earth, translates Leupold, built a city and made a permanent habitation. God's curse is translated by Leupold in part as, and now cursed shall thou be, driven away from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand, Genesis 4.11. The phrase away from the ground, according to Leupold, means so that there is no ground for you. This means, sixth, that the earth, promised to the blessed meek, the tamed or redeemed of God, Psalm 37.11, Matthew 5.5, is denied to the Canaanites. Even in their possession of the earth, they are aliens to it and are progressively driven from it. They live on earth but are cut off from it, in that there is a homelessness or alienation which marks them always. The term alienation has been a product of humanistic thought, and it rightly marks the humanist psychology. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 24.1, and the Cainite feels always alien to it and in it. Even in a home, he feels homeless. In a city, he is still in spirit, a stateless person. Psalm 45.6 declares, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. God's word, law, and judgment are fixed and settled. And, as against this unyielding fixity, the Cainite is forever homeless and a vagabond unable ever to find rest in any beginning he makes. Very strikingly, St. Paul in Hebrews presents a like yet contrasting picture of the believer as he finds himself surrounded by Canaanites and in Cain's stronghold. Abraham and others, as strangers and pilgrims, wandered through Cain's realm, but with a destination, God's city, Hebrews 11, 13-17. They were not homeless wanderers like Cain, building walls against God, but rather homeward-bound citizens of the new Jerusalem. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come, Hebrews 13.14. The Cainites are vagabonds and homeless, alienated wanderers, even when they build and possess a city. The people of God are pilgrims and citizens, destined to possess the earth and to reign in eternity. <laughs>